coming up on Tennis Channel Live. It's Fed Day in Switzerland. Roger Federer begins his quest for a 10th trophy in Basel. The chase for the championships heating up in Vienna. Italian Matteo Berrettini holding on to one of the final spots in the race to London. Plus, after another doubles title, what's next on the schedule for teenage sensation Coco Golf? And what an emotional and physical journey it's been for Andy Murray these last two years. We celebrate his first title since 2017. TC Live starts right now. And welcome to Tennis Channel Live. A lot of tennis over the next month. A lot of points on the line as we lead up to the year-end finals. Roger Federer can make even more history in his hometown of Basel this week. Can he get a tenth one of those pretty trophies? Welcome into our studios here in Los Angeles. Steve Weissman back with my friends Chanda Rubin and James Blake. You know, it was on this day in 1989 that Jimmy Connors got his 109th title, final title, Roger Federer at 102, Chanda, looking to get to 103 this week. I mean, I just have no frame of reference for that. It's all for, from 100. It was spectacular, and it's amazing that he's still playing Roger Federer at the level that he's playing at, moving so beautifully around the court, and just getting through these first-round matches so routinely. Yeah, and it's still incredible every time I see it because I, I, a couple years ago or last year I said I don't think Roger will ever reach 109, and now every time we watch him play, I get people reminding me, He's going to get close. He's going to get there. He's going to get there. I, I hope he does. I would love to see him do that. I'm just amazed he's still playing, 38 years old, and playing at this level. Uh, we're just lucky to be able to watch it. And, and looking to get his 10th title in Basel. He got to double digits earlier this year in Halle. In fact, Roger Federer, this was last year in Basel, taking out Marius Kopil for the title. He won the year before that against Juan Martin Del Potro, actually riding a 20-match win streak with titles in 2014 and 15. He have obviously missed 2016 with the injury. So 20 matches in a row in his hometown for Roger Federer, ATP 500-level event. There is the great Roger Federer taking the court against Peter Goyavchek, James, and this one was quick work. It was quick work, and that's great to see for Roger. Last year he came out, started a little rusty, and this year no rust whatsoever. Uh, Goyevchik is a guy who actually should play pretty well on the, the fast courts. He he'd struggled uh, earlier this year and finally got two match wins in the, in the qualifying, but up against a guy that knows how to play pretty well on faster courts, and especially on this court specifically with, uh, with the crowd uh, always entirely behind him. Goyevchik did what he could uh, competing-wise. He, he got back uh, one of the breaks in the in the second set, but couldn't really have much success at all on his second serve, and Roger just took advantage of every opportunity he had. 34 winners, 12 aces, won 82% of his first serves. About as perfect as you can get. Yeah, and that's uh, about as perfect of a start as you can get to this tournament, and the competition will get a little bit tougher as he gets through it, but a great start for him. 53 minutes, Roger summed it up. I got into the match well, had a good feeling, felt like I was explosive onto the ball and uh, serving well when I had to. Uh, maybe could have avoided some, uh, some opening point service struggles, but other than that, I thought I was, it was really tough, you know, out there today. And um, um, I don't know, I'm very happy. It's great. <laughs> hey, what else can you say? He's got nine titles in Basel. Also, five times been to the final and didn't win. So 14 times to that final match. Obviously, he was a ball boy back in 93 and 94. This is his home event. 72 wins overall in Basel as he goes for 10. This was also, Chanda, his 1500th career match. And he gets the win. 
1,232 wins now for Roger Federer. I mean, the longevity of his career already. And you just feel like he can write his own script. I mean, when does he want to retire? Because he can still keep going and keep playing at this level. You would think Father Time would eventually win. I think he will. But this is Roger Federer, and it's just been incredible how long he's been able to play at this level. Yeah, I think uh, we were talking during the match about things that are underrated, whether it be his movement. But the longevity, I don't know if it gets talked about quite enough. 21 years, I feel like uh, when we were on tour, there was a lot of talk about 10 to 15 years being a really good, solid career, and that's making the most of it. For him to still be this competitive at this age is incredible. I feel like a couple years ago there was talk of, okay, maybe he should retire. He might not be able to compete in slams. So this year he's one point away from a slam. He's still competing in slams and he's still winning other titles. So uh, who's to say he might be the first one that does beat Father Time, but he's, uh, <laughs> he's giving it a run. <laughs> and you brought this up earlier. So this is not a knock, but like James, top five player in the world, 10 career titles. <laughs> yeah. Roger's going for 10 at one yeah. tournament. I mean, it's a hard to puts fathom. it in perspective. Uh, don't, yeah. don't throw that kind of shade at James. <laughs> That's I, like literally, for, Jamie said it in the green room, so I, I, I want to make that clear. Yeah, I have no, no shame at all about that. I feel fine about <laughs> About how I did it just he makes me very much look like an underachiever I did my best but what he's doing it's 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 like uh Chanda said it's unfathomable and I think we sometimes get numb to it because we talk about Rafa having so much success at at a few events at Monte Carlo uh Roland Garros and Barcelona winning in double digits and for Roger to possibly go for double digits here is at one event it's uh, absolutely incredible <laughs> all right Roger's going for history a lot of folks going for the chase for the championship still looking to make the O2 arena in London the ATP finals as we head to Vienna, one of those guys is Matteo Berrettini. Eighth spot in the race to London right now. He's up to a career-high 11 in the world, has two titles, made his first Grand Slam semifinal. He's taking on Kyle Edmund, a guy who's on the way down. Now it's 75 in the world. Yeah, uh, struggle. it's been a struggle for Kyle Edmund, losing nine matches in a row. Berrettini, uh, on the other hand, is in a position I know all too well, being right around that 8-9 spot, whether he's going to qualify in his first time possibly qualifying for, uh, for London. And that's where the nerves kind of ratchet up a little bit towards the end of the year. And, and for him, he knows every match is so important because it could come down to one match at the end of the year in this event or next week in Paris. And so for him, a great effort fighting back from being down a set, even if he's playing someone that doesn't have a lot of confidence, it's still not that easy to go through and win a lot of matches at the end of the year. So really good effort for Berrettini. 40th win of the season for the Italian. That's the type of year Matteo Berrettini is having. Meantime, the match you just called, Chanda, Corinne Hatchinoff, Hubert Hurkacz, who's having a breakout year of his own. And Hatchinoff has a lot of points to defend coming up. Yeah, I expected this to be a bit of a battle to young guns that play slightly different styles, but it was Hatchinoff who got off to the quick start getting that first set. And in the second, Hurkacz just struggled really to create. He had a lot of unforced errors at times, got down 5-3, but then broke Hatchinoff at 5-4, and it was a battle all of a sudden in the tiebreak. Hatchinoff got off to a quick start, though. He was just a little more aggressive, stepping in, playing tight onto the baseline. And the beginning of the tie break ended up being key because Hatchinoff would get up for love. He held on to that lead, and they're serving it out pretty routinely the last Sussing. few points. Uh, the young Russians are on fire right now. You got Hatchinoff, of course, Daniil Medvedev, who's in the top 10 right now, and Andre Rublev coming off of a win last week, getting a title. Two spots 
still up for grabs, James, as we are just a couple weeks away from London. Yeah, and these are the guys that are, are sweating out every match, and there's a lot of pressure. Zverev, obviously, he's been there plenty of times before already, even at the, the young age of 21 years old. But um, but still, there's a lot of pressure just to make it into that there. And Goffin is, is a veteran, has been there before. Uh, Nishikori's been there before. But for the rest of those guys, Warinka's been there before. But for the rest of those guys, it's a, it's a big couple of weeks right now, and every match is important. John Isner not playing this week and probably not next week either, so he may have taken himself out of the running, but the rest of those guys, they know every single match is really important at this time. Kane Ishikori has shut it down for the season, so that is not an opportunity for him, but Chanda, when you look at that list and so many players, 500 points this week, 1,000 points in Paris, we saw Jack Sock a couple of years ago go from 24 to 8. It's, it's possible. Absolutely. And there's a lot of movement that can take place these last couple of weeks. And, you know, with a couple of spots still up for grabs, I mean, that's kind of a lot at this stage. Yeah. Um, so it's wide open for a number of those guys. You go down to Karen Hatchinoff, who's, you know, defending some points. He's at 16 in the race, but top 10. So there's still, you know, not only the points to the to the finals, but also kind of going into the end of the year and maybe setting yourself up for the start of next year. So there's still a lot at stake. And a lot of the matches that we have coming up tomorrow featured in this race for the championships in the ATP finals. Taylor Fritz looking for his first win ever against Sasha Zverev. Sanga has never lost to Dominic Team. James, what are you looking at? Uh, I'm looking at one that may not be as uh, as popular, but the Yannick Sinner, Philip Kohlschreiber. Kohlschreiber, the ultimate veteran grinder, and for Yannick Sinner, a young kid that uh, is, he's going to be uh, on the rise pretty quickly, I think. Yeah, I think Fritz and Zverev, that's going to be the most interesting one, and you know, perhaps Zverev has found his form again and enough to take out Fritz, but Fritz has been pretty solid all year. Yannick Sinner, just 18 years old, coming up his first ever ATP semifinals. you got the youngsters, you got the veterans, Federer at 38. It's an exciting time to be a tennis fan right now especially consider what Andy Murray did this weekend after the hip resurfacing getting a title we will revisit what Andy Murray was able to accomplish against Vavrenka plus big week on the WTA it's the elite Zhuhai and some elite Americans in action Blake Rubin Weissman back on Tennis Channel Live as the chase for the championships goes to Zhuhai. It was Ash Barty that took the title at the Elite Tournament last year. Talk about a launching pad. Won the French Open, her first Grand Slam singles title this year, and has a very good chance at ending as the world number one. So here are the groups at the Elite Trophy, Zhuhai, this year. Kiki Burton's going to play Donna Vekic for the fourth time this year. That's a tough group. And then Arena Sabalenka and Elise Mertens, they're actually playing together doubles next week at the WTA Finals. They're in the same group in singles here. Yeah, that's kind of bad luck when you consider where they could have each fallen, but that's how, that's what happens. And, and you mentioned that Azalea group, that I think is the toughest group, but then you have Madison Keys there in the Orchid group. That could be interesting, whoever comes out of that. And then Sophia Kennan and Allie Risk. Sophia's been playing great Allie Risk. You know, really having a banner year. So it'll be fun to see kind of who comes out of each of these groups. Do you have any picks? You, uh, who's going to come out Final Four? You know, I'm, in, I'm looking at Donna Vekic. Okay. I think she's quietly been creeping up and really having a fantastic season. Um, I think, you know, James, who's, who's your pick? I'm going to be a little homer pick going with uh, Madison Keys. I, I, I would go and, with that. And I want to see one of the Americans come out of the other group as well between Cannon and Risk. I think Cannon, uh, yeah. the way I've seen her play this year and compete, 
I think this is another chance for her to prove her, uh, her mental toughness. I'm going to go Allie Risk. It's been a great Risk, summer for okay. her. She, she got married, Stephen yeah. Armitage, and then got a title. I mean, she's been playing her best tennis. She plays really well in the fall. Yeah. An exciting pitch. She says it's very special to be in Zhuhai at this time of year. Our coverage, 12.30 a.m. Eastern, so stay up late, 9.30 p.m. Pacific. We've got you covered from the elite in Zhuhai. Meantime, back to Vienna we go on the ATP Tour. The 500-level event there, and Diego Schwartzman, he's at 15 in the world, taking on Pierre Oug Herbert, who got to his career high, but now down to 66 in the world. Schwartzman had a whole bunch of break points in this one. Oh, Schwartzman, so quick around the court and just anticipating well. That backhand, that's just textbook, and he used it very nicely in some big moments to close out this first set. They're seeing him attacking a little bit more. You forget how good his hands are sometimes because he's so good defending from the back of the court. But he played nicely in all the different areas. And here on match point, what a backhand, finding the angle. Nice win for Schwartzman. Diego moving on. And how about Grigor Dimitrov taking on Demir Zumer today. Dimitrov was down around 80 in the world in August. Gets to the U.S. Open semifinals. Now, James, back inside the top 30. Yeah, just uh, sometimes there's a lot of a lot of moving parts around him. He switched brackets. He was with Stepanek and Agassi. And now this week, he's there with no coach. He's got his physical trainer there, and that's it. And uh, I like seeing that kind of play out of him. It's, it's the aggressive style. I almost feel like sometimes he's got so many options that he's not sure the way to play. Here, Zoomer uh, gives him the out of, uh, of moving him forward, and he's got to go for it there. And he uses the wheels, his, his great ability uh, on the run. He comes up with the winner there. Well played. Still got a little safe at, at times when it got close, but uh, love him getting through this match. And without a coach, we'll see if he can continue to, to play his kind of best tennis. 300th tour level win, so a little bit off of Roger Federer's uh, 1,232. <laughs> but still a milestone. It's still good. It's still wins against this level. Uh, back to Roger Federer land in Basel. Jan Leonard Struff taking on Miamir Ketsmanovic. Struff served well, 21 aces. Yeah, big serve. Courts are a little quicker there. And this is uh, not on that center court that we're used to seeing Roger on. You see the wall up uh, alongside of it. it. It's not your normal type of a, of a court. And it echoes quite a bit back there. Struff not bothered at all by it. Serving great. Tough one against Kek Kekmanovic, who's, who's had a good, uh, solid year on the rise as well. Uh, he was in the next gen, next gen a couple years ago as well. And uh, for Struff, just uh, continuing a, a solid year. Big serving, ripping those backhands, and, and playing aggressive types of tennis. It was three of nine on break points, comes through in straight sets, 6 4, 6 2. Seems like that guy can win any day, but also sometimes has some down days. This was one of the good ones. Andy Murray earlier this year, tears of pain, now tears of joy. We'll revisit the legendary victory. Welcome back to Tennis Channel Live. What a moment yesterday. Stan Wawrinka and Andy Murray. Both these guys have gone through some major injuries in Antwerp. And uh, Murray getting all the way to the final earlier this year. Had the hip resurfacing. Didn't play a singles match, Chanda, until Cincinnati. And how about this? This was fantastic. It was incredible the way Andy Murray, he was down a set and a break. It looked like Vavrinka was going to win pretty handily. And Murray just battled. We kept wondering how he would continue to progress match after match. Look at the emotion, what that win meant for him. And I think to do it the way he did it, the way he fought, 
the way he stayed positive at some times. It was incredible stuff. 46 title, fourth time he's actually come back from a set down in the semifinals and finals. Here's the timeline, James. I, I mean, as a player, you've been through a lot of injuries. What, what does this mean to you? Well, it's incredible to see the emotion, as, as Shannon said, uh, there, at what it meant to him to win. Because in Australia, we saw the emotion when he thought his career was over. And for such a great champion to possibly end his career, not on his own terms, you know, it's so exciting to see as, as a fan, as a fan of him as a player, and as a fan of him as a human being, to see him back and uh, handling towards the latter stage of his career on his own terms. And he got a lot of help from Bob Bryan. Bob Bryan went through a very similar surgery, and he was encouraged by the fact that he went through this and was able to come back successful. Very different on the singles and doubles court, but for Andy Murray, I think it's just, it's really fantastic to see someone. He's a guy that's a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, a guy that deserves to, to end things on his own terms. And right now, it doesn't look like the end's in sight with this kind of tennis. So it's exciting to see. And then the next step is whether or not he'll be able to play three out of five sets and be ready physically to, to handle that kind of uh, strain on the hip. He said after the match, Shanda, this was a surprise to me and my team. Was this a surprise to you? I think it was a bit of a surprise. I mean, you know, I think it's a little quick, to say the <laughs> least, that, you know, he's here winning a title. I mean, this was, he's waiting for the birth of his third child. That's he said, right. I'm playing here because it's pretty close. I can get back home if need be. And you come up with, with the title and the way he did it, the two matches, the semifinals and the final, he was down. Uh, and the way he came back, the movement, I thought, got better and better as the tournament went on. He seemed to loosen up and relax with it. I still think he's clearly making some adjustments and in terms of you know, that first step, it's not quite as quick as uh, when he was at his best. But that's part of, of being a player and playing, you know, having a long career. You have to make those types of adjustments, and he's doing that. He doesn't look like he's in pain. It was pretty phenomenal, and I enjoyed it tremendously, just the positive energy yeah. that Andy Murray brought. You can never count out a champion. I mean, people have done that for Roger. They've done that for Rafa Novak. Andy Murray in that big four class, once again, first title since 2017. A lot of folks on social media congratulating Sir Andy Murray, his uh, school there in Dunblane, the primary school, his Scottish school. We are so proud of our champion, Andy Murray, an inspiration to us all. Hashtag never give up, hashtag bounce back. It truly is an inspiration. It really is. I mean, you think about having a surgery, the next year coming back, having to do another surgery with the resurfacing. It's been phenomenal. There's his coach, Jamie Delgado, back in the winner's circle again. He, he's been there the entire time with Andy Murray. And uh, that team, kudos to, to all of them, getting Andy back there both physically and, and mentally as well. Yeah, and just keeping him in a good mental state, as you said. I mean, they were positive throughout this week. You, the cameras were pants in. They looked like they knew he was going to win, <laughs> even if we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Meantime, uh, big news here. Coco Golf is going to join our own James Blake, along with Mark Knowles, Tommy Haas, Andy Roddick at the Baja Mar Cup in the Bahamas. James? Perfect, because Coco Golf will be there, so no one will be paying attention to us and that we can't play tennis as well as we used to. So, great. Thank you, Coco Golf. You'll take all the attention away, and it will be well-deserved that everyone will be cheering for Coco Golf. And, and this is all for a great cause. Yes. The weekend of November 7th, obviously, the, the hurricane, which destroyed a big part of the Bahamas, uh, where Mark Knowles was born and raised, and, and so bringing together these champions. We definitely have to give Mark Knowles a, a lot of credit for putting this together. Uh, um, he, he was devastated by this, by seeing this happen to, uh, to where he's from, and so he wanted to do something and he did it well by bringing in some of his friends and letting me tag along as well so I, I gotta give Mark a lot of credit for putting this together.
And Coco Goff coming off another doubles title chant. And Mick Coco with Katie McNally, they won their second doubles title of the year. Oh, it's been fantastic. She won the title in Lentz the very next week. A little disappointment in the singles, but rebounded in the doubles. And you see how important doubles is in terms of the growth of these young players. She and Katie McNally played phenomenal tennis. Coming from somebody who's former top tenner in both singles and doubles. Got to get back to that. All right, when we come back, it is our rocket shot of the day. Who will take it? Will it be Roger himself in Basel? Find out next. For our rocket shot of the day, who else but Roger Federer, 1500th career match, looking for title number 103 against Peter Goyavchik. He had a lot of good shots in this one. Yeah, quite a few, and this was uh, the best. Again, we talked about his movement, how well he moved up to that one, that first step, and a little out of position. That one's got to be a winner, and it is. Securing the break in the second set and just ran with it from there. I like the little slide at the end, though. Yep. You know, because he was on balance ready for the next shot. He really could have gotten back. <laughs> he, he was ready. He was ready. I mean, match only lasted 53 minutes. That is... He had plenty of energy left in the yeah. tank, right? <laughs> 38 years old. That man is something special. All right, our UTR matchup for tomorrow featuring the 21-year-old American Riley Opelka looking for a little bit of revenge against Christian Garin. Lost to him at the French Open earlier this year, and right now he's got all the checks. He does, and I think the, the surface makes a big difference now. He lost him at the French Open, three out of five on clay. It's going to be a different story. Two out of three indoor hearts. Like the big serve in Riley Opelka in that one. All right, and some big news as well. The U.S. Davis Cup team announced today, and we've got the youngest squad ever for uh, Marty Fish and company. It includes all these guys. We've got Francis Tiafo, Jack Sock, Opelka, Query, Fritz. And by the way, congratulations to Francis Tiafo, who today locked up his next-gen final spot. A lot going on still at the end of this year. I like, the, like to look at that team for, for a very young captain and Marty Fish, too. So it's going to be uh, youth will be served there, and we'll see if they've got, uh, got the results to back it up. All right, so as, as a player, uh, you, you played Fed Cup. Obviously, you played Davis Cup. But what was it like, Shane, to your first time playing? Because a lot of these guys, it's their first time in this ex in environment. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit nerve-wracking, and perhaps they would have been there um, at Davis Cup, maybe not playing, and... and if they get an opportunity to play, it's an entirely different experience when you're actually on the court playing for your country. You have a team, and it's just different than playing just for yourself week in and week out. But it is one of the most exciting memories for me, my very first Fed Cup, and I'm sure for them it will be a fantastic experience. Yeah, well, for, for me, I still remember that's one of the few times I never felt that nervous playing tennis because it's what you train for, it's what you play, what you, you've always been practicing for. That first time at Davis Cup, hearing Advantage USA, Team a Game USA, Butterflies, complete butterflies in my stomach, and I, I was very, very nervous. First time I played Leander Pays, and um, couldn't could barely tell what was going on until about four or five all in the first set. And then once you kind of lock in and you realize, all right, I, I just want to win this match, um, then you get back to just just the the business at hand, and um, it feels a little bit more normal. But at the start for me, that first match was definitely nerve wracking. Davis Cup month from now in Madrid, Spain. And it's kind of the changing the guard for Team USA as we have those three 21-year-olds in action. Taylor Fritz, one of them, he is playing Alexander Zverev tomorrow. Chances, Chanda, that he can come out with the victory? I think it'll be tough with the way Zverev has seemed to find his form again. But Fritz, one of those hard workers, and you know he's just played smart tennis. He's kept improving. It's good to see. 
And down there at the bottom, we got Dominic Team, Joe Wilfred Sanga. Sanga having a resurgent year after his knee surgery. And he's a guy that Dominic Team probably wouldn't want to see in the first round because with that huge forehand, that huge serve, he can beat anyone on a given day. He's proven that he can beat the top players. So the easiest way to, to get into this uh, event for Dominic Team. All right, well, he's never lost a team. He beat him in 2013 and 2016. Three years later, it's every three years for Sanga and team. We'll see if he can do it one more time. All right, a lot of good tennis today as we started it off in Basel and Vienna. A reminder, 12.30 Eastern tonight. We got you covered in Zhuhai with the ladies at the Elite Trophy on the line. Madison Keys, Sophia Kennan, Allison Risk. For James Blake, Chanda Rubin, Mary Carrillo, our entire Tennis Channel team, I'm Steve Weissman. Thanks so much for watching TC Live.